Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, Nio. Thank you for joining me today on the It's Always Day One podcast. Um, Nio is part of the Better AMS clang over in America, although she's based in Barcelona, um, and she's a PPC specialist. Nio, do you want to give us a brief background and add some meat to the bones of what I've just kicked off with, and we can get some uh, questions fired at you? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Nio Olsen-Stahl. I'm originally from New Zealand, but as you mentioned, located in Barcelona at the moment, have been in Europe for about four or five years. Um, And so I think a lot of people came into the Amazon advertising space through a kind of natural transition, like yourself, former Amazonian, people who used to kind of be on the more operations side. However, for me, this has been really my role sort of off the jump, kind of started as an Amazon ads intern, fresh out of university, and ever since for about two years, been working on all different ad accounts. So all revenue sizes from 20,000 to 20 million a month. So uh, yeah, big range. Some some huge numbers and quite quite a range there to kick things off. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of digging beforehand to to try and create some different questions for the audience, um, listeners, audience, whatever you want to call them today. And one of the things I really liked when flicking through LinkedIn was tiered competitors. Now, mm-hmm. you made this observation. I actually hadn't really thought of this way of thinking before but could you explain a little bit more about what you mean by tiered competitors yeah for sure so i'm kind of always really interested in the competitor targeting process on amazon because i think that when you get into product targeting and category targeting that's where a lot of potential lies that is kind of endless so there's, there's always going to be a new competitor to find on Amazon. They're always popping up. Um, so I kind of thought of the idea of tiered competitor process or kind of targeting um, because it creates these three distinct layers and you'll often kind of intuitively know where you have room to expand. So I can say three different types. So competitor type one is the exact same product. So that's probably when you're going to get into a bit more, um, you know, what is their price point? How does it compare in terms of reviews? And then competitor type two is a directly similar product and competitor type three would be an indirectly similar niche or category. Um, so kind of a good example that I use is if you are selling bed sheets made of silk, nice, um, that's going to be your competitor type one. So all products, all bed sheets that are made of silk, okay, you're targeting all of them, all the different colors, brands, whatever. Then your competitor type two is going to be directly similar, but not the exact same. So that's going to be bed sheets made of other materials, you know, cotton, flannel, microfiber, whatever it is. Um, it's also probably going to be pillows and mattresses and duvets, things that you're actually using the product with. So it's a very kind of simple cross-sell. And then with competitor type three, that's when you get really more into that broad audience. So you're looking at indirectly similar, but still in the same category. So in that instance, I would go for more like home decor, specifically bedroom focus. So you'd go for alarm clocks, bed canopies. Um, Another one would be, you know, congratulations on your new house, gifting or, you know, greeting cards. And so when you start to kind of build this out, there are are areas that you really might not have thought of before um, that just kind of become apparent. 
And how do you go kind of about the process when it comes to budgeting, bidding strategy? Are you looking kind of assign different budgets to each one of those based on the importance or are you trialing some kind of rough budgets and then over time looking to tweak those budgets to see what's working so three is working really well and converting very well you throw more budget towards it what's your kind of mindset towards that for sure so i think that with this kind of competitor targeting if you build it out highly segmented campaigns so you've got uh, one campaign for one competitor it takes a longer time but you actually get in a fantastic base to actually create those kind of more specified bidding strategies um, so what I like to do is really um, sort of make sure that I understand the competitor within the marketplace so um, for instance if you have competitors who are, have a cheaper price point than you do that's when you're going to be want to be more conservative with your bids And then on top of that, that also means that if you are running a coupon or a deal, that kind of triggers you to target them harder. So you're going to increase your bidding or your budget at those points. Again, if if it's a more expensive competitor and you've kind of put in the work and comparatively analyzed them, then those are going to be your prime targets. And I think there's going to be an especial focus on sponsored brands if they're a big brand or big, you know, name that even goes off off of Amazon. Because I think then you really have to compete in terms of letting them know that, because um, I think a shopper will always buy from a big brand because they just have that trust and they think about the quality. So if you want to compete with them, that's when you have to um, sort of make sure that they know that you are a brand and you have your own quality that is competitive. Yeah, I really love that mindset around if they are a high street brand, let's call them, They've got mm. some brand recognition. You're looking to perhaps steal them away from when they're sat on, uh, the customer's sat on their listing or you're sat next to the search results using something like a sponsored brand ad. I'm guessing you're then driving it back to a, a storefront where you've got more of a brand experience of your own to yeah. convey that similar superiority or other words. Um, to display that you are very much a brand yourself. It is not some kind of cheap Chinese knockoff seller um, exactly. who's who's operating out of a basement in the middle of nowhere, like you're a proper proper establishment. Exactly. Is that kind of the message you're sending with that cyber campaign? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is the direction that Amazon is going towards. I think they want more brand presence. I, I imagine and I hope that there's going to be more placements um, especially for sponsored brand images. Um, so I think that, yeah, the more that you can do to create that brand and create that story for yourself, that's kind of how you get the competitive edge against, you know, a lot of these just really cheap sellers that, to be honest, get reviews via black hat tactics most of the time. How important, you mentioned there about the sponsored brand images and a big area of focus for me is like the Amazon creative side of things. And mm-hmm. that's, creating good content which is compelling engaging luring people in invokes emotion and that's always been the case if you look at facebook advertising there's there's loads of information out there about how to create strong content Mm -hmm. with the introduction then of video ads you've mentioned their additional placement sponsored brand images Mm -hmm. how important is it for brands to be starting to think more about the type of content they're getting specifically for amazon Really important. 
I think really important. You know, there the the kind of benefit to the sponsored product side is the fact that you blend in. So you don't look like an ad when you're, you know, in a sponsored product placement. However, that's where the benefits with sponsored brand images and videos come in is that you can stand out. You can actually have that that leverage with shoppers to tell them why, how your product works or what it does or what's special about it, whatever. And so if you're not investing in that, you are really just limiting yourself to being kind of blending in. And I think that the most important um, creative at the moment is video just because personally I've seen on every account that I've run it on, it just does incredible with sales and ACOS. I've seen actually a low ACOS with video. Um, yeah, I, I think that if you're not investing in those creatives, you're just putting yourself in a lower position to other sellers. I think that you um, need to think about it long term. You know, your videos aren't just suddenly going to go away. Um, and I think it's worth investing in it. And I guess to, to clarify my inclination is, is it a case of if you've got them really strong graphics, those really strong images, those really strong videos, you're getting that high click through. And regardless of whether or not you get the sale, obviously if you get the sale, that's going to help your relevance more. But mm-hmm. to kind of clarify for the audience, to my understanding, if your click through rate is higher, your likelihood of, of winning those bidding battles in the future increases as your click-through rate increases mm-hmm. you become more relevant so therefore amazon are more accepting of your bid over another in the bidding war is that is that mm-hmm. correct if i've got that right um yeah that's the way i see it so you're right like i think that clicks and click-through rate has a really big um kind of lever within the algorithm as a whole so i've found that that's why influencer campaigns work really, really well with Amazon products because what happens when you, you know, I have a client who they were with an Instagrammer, they made one post, uh, they had about a million followers and it instantly, you know, sales grew by at least like a hundred percent. And there was such a long tail after that of sales growth. And I think that was because you had all of these extra clicks, all of this really high CTR and of course, like sales conversions in a short period of time. And so that just all goes together in terms of the, the algorithm, like absolutely loving that and ranking and prioritizing your products. So I think and that yeah, images can play that same part. Yeah. So I guess with, with the, the way the algorithm works, to my understanding, it's a case of if you're getting good traffic, it doesn't really matter if they're clicking on you organically or if they're clicking on your paid ad. The the attribution towards your overall relevance perhaps increases more if they're clicking on the ad because they're serving it there for a particular keyword. They're putting yeah. you right in front of them. You're, the, the person is clicking it, suggesting mm-hmm. you're relevant in some capacity. If you can then increase that relevance by improving the content that you're putting in front of them via image, via video, that bolsters it further. What I find interesting about influence, you talked a little bit about it on LinkedIn the other day is how you can kind of work together with influencers and your Amazon ads. Like, are you, are you do anything like a search find buy with influencers? Is that what some people have noticed is working well, where you're asking to search a particular term rather than just giving them a link or how, how are you seeing brands utilize influencers fully and merging it with what you're doing with the advertising? I think they do both to be honest. So I know that, 
um, you know, it is a kind of swipe up to the Amazon listing, which again, I think that works really well because a lot of shoppers trust Amazon and they have an account, they have Prime, so it works really well in that way. But it has a huge just kind of natural uh, organic search term increase as well because people are looking for your brand. They're looking for the other products. Um, and I think the best way to kind of leverage that and just like build on it more is a lot of these influencers actually have an Amazon wish list. And then so what you can do to kind of increase your coverage with them is then go on to target all of the different items on their wish list. So if someone follows, you know, this amazing Instagrammer and they really like one product, they go and purchase it on Amazon, but then they see yours pop up and they remember, oh, yeah, I saw that a few weeks ago. I should check that out. It's really like just layered things like that. And, of course, bidding on their brand name, people will search for their Instagrammer, you know, wish list. And you'd be surprised at um, how many brands don't do this, actually. Hey folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails, as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. So what you're saying there is, the first bit is, is, is genius, and taking that wish list, taking every single item inside of it, and going, right, well, if they're going to be interested in the one product that's being promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, they're obviously going to be interested in all of her wish list items. So let's just continuously ping her kind of a double prong exactly. approach or a two yeah. prong approach. Um, what you said about the um, bidding on her name, so you would take XYZ influencer and you would just bid on that name directly then. Is that what you said? Yep, correct. So you'd bid on that XYZ influencer name, XYZ uh, Amazon store, Amazon page, wish list, all of those main kind of keywords. So you're kind of taking up as much real estate related to that name as possible and just grabbing what, what clicks wherever you can, essentially. Absolutely. And that's a way to kind of build your own sort of targeting on them that's separate from their actual post, which, you know, bless them. They're doing, you know, God's work. They're doing amazing. They're, I've really, really been impressed with the impact of influencer um, campaigns in relation to Amazon. And so the more that you can do that, you know, doesn't cost you every time they post, you know, mm. just really get your uh, return on ad spend there. And we've talked a little bit there about being offensive on Amazon, which is the the way I would describe these types of strategies. Yeah. Um, but we've then got the defensive side. So do you want to just kind of explain a little bit how do you view being defensive on Amazon? What th- sort of things are you thinking about when brands are asking you? How can we defend our brand a little bit more? Mm. That's a really good question because I feel like it really plays into how strong you want to be with your budget. So if you have an endless stream of budget and you're like, you know what, I just want to defend my listings 100%, you can do that. You can build out those campaigns where you're getting every sponsored product listing, as long as you have enough ASINs, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sponsored display, sponsored brand, you can really build that out. However, if you're limited with your budget, you... It, it can cost more than you think to get that 100% coverage. And then you're going to see that your Amazon ads account, you know, the majority of sales and your best ACOS is coming from your branded campaigns. And so I would see it as like as long as you have a healthy, you know, minimum of about 60% coverage on your own listings and your brand. Well, brand name is a bit different. You want to 100% dominate your uh, sponsored brand top of search and also your sponsored product 
top of search. Those, I think, are non-negotiable. You need to be making sure that no competitors jump in there. But in terms of your product listing, I think then you have to be realistic about your spend and what kind of goals. Because obviously, if you want sales growth, you're mostly going to get that from external traffic. You know, if someone's searching for your product listing, they're, they're probably going to buy. Yeah, I think a lot of that probably comes down to ensuring you're doing other things well um, first. So let's say you look at the, the listing as a whole, ensuring you've got phenomenal content, ensuring you've got highly engaging copy, ensuring you're answering questions, all the stuff that, okay. that we will know we've spoken about in previous, previous podcasts, ensuring that's being done well so your conversion rate is much higher than if you've got a shoddy listing, shoddy images, shoddy copy, um, and a overall poor offering. Um, you know, I saw something brilliant the other day, and it was someone asking the question of going when when people are asking for support to grow their particular product in, in, in a niche, looking at that page one and going, you know, do I deserve to be on page one? Is my product actually a good offering for this search term? If you factor in the price, if you factor in the product itself, the USPs, mm-hmm. do I deserve to be there? And sometimes. I'm sure you've dealt with it with clients. I certainly have where you're going, you don't actually deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. You're, you're 20%, 30% higher price and you're offering nothing for that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's the same with advertising. Right? You must you must cross that bridge or come across that quite a lot, right? Definitely. And I think that kind of tangentially connected with that is that I think that impressions, kind of traffic that you get with Amazon ads is one of the most underrated KPIs that we discuss because I think for like the majority of my clients, I'm getting a minimum of about 1 million impressions on a week, on a weekly basis. And when you think about it, that's first of all, a lot of eyeballs, but the kind of connection that you have with that is that all of those millions of people who have seen your product listing page, not just do they know your brand, they know your images, they hopefully, you know, bought your product, but that also immediately goes into retargeting value. And so you can put that into your sponsored display, but then also, of course, if you're running DSP, that's going to be super valuable as well. Um, So I think that's the exact same thing where, um, as you were saying, if you're bringing a lot of traffic to your listing, but your listing is terrible, Mm. or if you're, you're building these amazing campaigns so that you're number one top of search for your number one keyword, that's great. But, yeah, you need to kind of do the secondary um, sort of analysis there. Do you deserve to be there? How am I sort of taking advantage of these impressions that I'm getting? Um, and, yeah, what what your kind of goals are in terms of whether it's growth or profitability. You know, it's two different strategies. And you, you mentioned there about retargeting. And obviously DSP is a completely different topic and, yeah. Good old Kyle did a good episode with us on that. Um, for those who want to go back and have a little gander of that. But speaking a little bit now, we're seeing more more functionality coming through with just general Amazon advertising rather than a DSP platform offering functionality to retarget impressions, right? Mm-hmm. You know more about it than me, but do you want to explain about that a little bit for those listening? Sure. So, um, Amazon allows you via sponsored display to retarget shoppers who have either A, already been to your product listing page, or B, have already been to a product listing page of a a very similar product. Now, that's kind of something that Amazon takes care of. You're not allowed to choose what that product is. 
Um, I think they used to they used to be more on available. They used to be um, searches, people who have searched for th- things on your product. Um, there used to be purchases, people who have already purchased your product. Um, but I think they're playing around with just letting you have just a taste of DSP so then you eventually purchase the whole thing. How do you see Amazon, in your opinion, shifting a lot of the functionality from DSP slowly over, or do you think they're going to kind of hold that back for the time being? Ooh, that is a good question. I think in a dream world, yes. I think that there should be certain aspects of DSP, like more of them put into the sponsored sort of side. However, I think that it does have a completely different setup, um, and and I think that they can charge a lot more and kind of maintain it as a separate sort of function. Um, yeah, separate service. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we've got a quick speed round with three quick fire questions, um, and then we're going to wrap things up. So, first and foremost, one of my staple and most enjoyable questions: mm-hmm. What's the biggest threat to an Amazon business right now? The biggest what? Sorry. Threat to an Amazon business. Ooh, I think black black hat tactics. People having fake reviews, um, clicking all your. Uh, worst reviews to be the most helpful. I hate that button. Please take it away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Black Hat Tactics really kind of destroy the co- kind of natural competition on Amazon. Completely agree. Question number two, should brands manage advertising in-house? No. The reason why, okay, your in-house person might have more time to dedicate to your brand, but they're not going to be in the world of Amazon ads. Uh, when you work in an agency, you've got, you know, however many people at the moment, Better AMS has eight people. These are eight people who work in all different products, all different categories, different price points. We have different targets. We are constantly knowing what's beta, what's new, what's changed. Having that bubble is what you're paying for as well. You're really investing in experts who live and die Amazon ads. Whereas if you have in-house, they'll live and die your brand, but they're going to have to do more work to actually get all of that intel. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, there's a reason why you have kind of experts in every industry. Yeah. Um, and, and that applies completely here, particularly when it comes down to advertising, where you can just burn money so quickly mm-hmm. uh, and then put all your energy into the kind of wrong area. So okay. well answered. Final question. If you were running an Amazon business on your own, who would you hire first and why? Oh, for my advertising? Well, whatever. It's completely up to you. Like In terms of the person's skill sets, their background, what would you be looking for in that first hire? I think you need someone who is able to cater to your needs. So if you are a very, very small, well, if I was a very, very small seller and I'm just really focused on profitability, then I would go out and look for, um, on the ad side or management side, someone who understands that I don't want to spend a lot. I want to keep my targets extremely low and their kind of price point can match the level of sort of, uh, TLC that I want. However, if I'm going big and I'm like, you know what? I'm on Amazon. I'm a big fish now. Let me, let me toss some dollars this way, then I'm going to go for the biggest and the best. I'm going to go for the agency that loves growth, that wants to drive profit. And I believe that's better AMS. Thank you. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> um, and if you weren't going agency, let's mm-hmm. bring that back on, you are hiring, you're bringing someone in-house. They're going to work full-time for you. 
Mm-hmm. Is there a particular component that you'd be like, well, I'm good at advertising. I can nail that bit. Is there, is there another part you'd be like, this would complement the whole business and help grease the wheels, if you will? Um, I would love someone in-house who could work on the external traffic to Amazon. So as we talked about influencers, I'd love for them to analyze who would be a really good fit for my brand. Um, Facebook ads, perhaps Google ads, whatever it is, I would love to for them to try to um, kind of put it into the Amazon thing from external traffic. I'd also get DSP if I'm honest. I think that's it's like a separate tool for for Amazon that has a different focus in a way. It's much more kind of. What are the current um, requirements for DSP? Uh, I think at the moment it's like minimum ten thousand a month spend, roughly. Oh, don't quote me on that. And what's the cost of it? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know, but I like, so shout out Kyle. He did a kind of masterclass for us at Better AMS. And it was really interesting to, to see the kind of differences with DSP. It's much more about kind of finding customers who aren't even on Amazon, but who will like your products or who have already purchased or whatever it is. Um, it's like a completely different game, but because it plays into the Amazon world, uh, I think it's, going to be a more and more sort of unique aspect um, to bring in loyal customers. Completely agree. Naya, thank you so much for spending 24 minutes, 25 minutes with me today, nattering away. Hopefully it's been enjoyable (laughs) and um, hopefully we'll get you on again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Nice talking to you. Cheers, Naya. Have a good day. Thanks, George. Bye. Hey guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website, it's always dayone.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.